This is Tornado Talk, a podcast about one of nature's most fascinating phenomenon. Now, meteorologists Jennifer Naramore and Dan Holliday. Tornado Talk is on. You might say that 1953 was a simpler time. There's nothing like a Coca-Cola, nothing like a Coca-Cola. Now, all you do, boys and girls... Is just fill your cereal bowl with delicious Kellogg sugar frosted flakes. And then you just pour on a little milk or cream. And kids, that's all there is to it. I, Dwight D. Eisenhower, do solemnly swear. America was drinking Coca Cola. Children ate frosted flake cereal. Dwight D. Eisenhower was spending his first year in the White House, and Percy Faith's Moulin Rouge was number one on the pop chart. Looking back, it was a simpler time. But spreading information during a time of need wasn't easy, and residents of Vicksburg, Mississippi, found that out firsthand. One of several tornadoes slashing their way across the south strikes historic Vicksburg, Mississippi. Vicksburg has been proclaimed a major disaster area, and federal aid is being rushed. This is Tornado Talk, December Disaster, a historical review of what happened on December 5th, 1953, in Mississippi. At 5.31 p.m., a large tornado touched down just west of the Mississippi River in eastern Madison Parish. Four minutes later, it had torn through downtown Vicksburg, killing 38 and injuring 270. 1,200 people were homeless. Chad Entremont is the Science and Operations Officer at the National Weather Service in Jackson, Mississippi. He recalls the atmosphere setup that produced a series of tornadoes on a Saturday afternoon on the 5th day of December. The conditions that day were fairly typical of what what we kind of get in this region when there is severe weather. Um, oftentimes in the cooler months, school season, it, it's it's hard to distinguish between if it's a tornadic environment or uh, just severe weather. You know, that's what people would say. It does felt like tornadic weather, but their description of, of how the weather was beforehand from accounts or even looking at the some of the weather charts that we do have, it, it was a very typical setup for severe weather beginning part of, of, of the winter down here in the in the south uh, temperatures were in the 50s and, and maybe in some of the area in the 40s so it was kind of cool because uh, there was a really uh, strong boundary separating the the really warm humid unstable air to the south um, and south of the warm front what happened is uh, there was a really powerful disturbance coming out of the, the, the mountains and the way it was oriented it it really helped to pull that front northward as a warm front and really push north, really humid air for early December. Um, you know, a lot of times, uh, meteorologists, we talk about the dew point. I think earlier in that day, it started off in the 40s, so it was very cool, as I mentioned. But once the warm front lifted north, the dew points easily got into the middle and upper 60s. Now, that's substantially high for the month of December. It wasn't overly warm. Temperatures were, you know, lower 70s, maybe even middle 70s in a few locations. But you don't really need a whole lot of really warm temperatures. The key, it was very humid. The dew point got really warm. Um, the wind shifted out, you know, from the east, and it turned around and became out of the southeast and south. And with that strong disturbance kind of lifting out of the Rockies and, and across the plains, it really helped to develop a nice surface low that, that helped pull that warm front northward during the day and then lift just to the northwest of, of our region. And that just kind of set the stage for the organization of thunderstorms. And, and ultimately, the, the ingredients uh, all came together 
strong wind shear. We don't have an upper air sounding to get a really good gauge of how unstable the air was. You have a lot of wind energy and you had at least sufficient instability developing. Um, and again, it doesn't take all that much when you have you know high dew points uh, that time of year. While it was warmer than normal, the last thing anyone in Vicksburg had on their mind was preparing for a tornado. There was Christmas shopping to be done. Residents would line the streets for an afternoon parade. There was also a charity football game scheduled as a benefit for Jet High School's Leo Puckett. He was a football player who became paralyzed after suffering a spinal injury in a game. The event that night would never happen. Officials at the U.S. Weather Bureau issued a statement around 1.30 in the afternoon alerting the public that tornado-producing conditions would exist. By 4 in the afternoon, the first tornado touched down north of Ruston, Louisiana, eventually hitting the town of Spearsville. Even though tornadoes can occur any time during the year, most wouldn't have expected in early December. But due to an urban legend, many believed a tornado would never hit their town. Marie Renaud had lived in Vicksburg almost her entire life. They had always said that Vicksburg would never have a tornado because of the river. But we did. Chad Entremont at the National Weather Service says mists like that one didn't die in the 1950s. They are alive and well today. Really, those falsehoods continue to this day ever since I got in the weather service. I've worked in places that have fairly large rivers and people always said, oh, I'll live by the river, I'm going to be protected from any, any big tornado. Um, or any tornado in general. And it seems like it, it doesn't take very long that there's some impactful tornado to uh, across the river and wipe away that, that falsehood. That afternoon in 1953, the tornado survived its trip across the river. Just southwest of downtown, it roared through the Vicksburg Railroad, hitting the warehouse company and other businesses. Rosa Coleman can vividly remember the weather conditions as the tornado approached. It was raining and then it would stop. And the wind came over our house so strong, but it didn't damage the house. But it was, you know, off and on. The, the, the sun would shine, then it would start raining real hard. And then it would stop, and then the wind would blow. But it was a very dramatic time of my life. Patsy Jo Clark, a Vicksburg resident, was staying with her grandparents when they heard the twisters howling winds. Grandma kept saying, close the window, close the window. So I got up to close the window at the foot of the, an iron bedstead, and when I reached up to get it, it just, it just happened. I mean, it sounded like a train was going to come through the house, and and it just blew me back on the bed, but I wasn't hurt because it's a feather bed. I thank God for that, and neighbors came and got me out in a couple of minutes, and then I realized that the chimney had fallen on my grandmother, and she uh, was hurt, but they got her out and got her to the hospital. And my grandfather wasn't hurt, and... Uh, he got out and was walking with that. He had a big old flashlight. And you know, you didn't have flashlights and lights and things then like you do now. And you just don't realize how dark it was pitch black. It was pouring down rain. But people were getting out and trying to save others. Everybody was willing to help and volunteer and get people out. 
We survived it. Buford Evans says time hasn't erased how clearly he can picture what happened on that December day. Well, uh, for us, the day was just pretty much a normal day. Uh, that afternoon, uh, my family and I, my dad, my mom, and my brother and sister all went to a place called Joe Wing Sing's Grocery, a uh, little Chinese grocery right up the street from where we lived. We lived on Farmer Street at the time, and uh, the grocery store was at the corner of Farmer Street and Openwood, which is now Martin Luther King Boulevard or Street or whatever they call it. And uh, we were there, and my dad went out to the throw a cigarette out the front door, and he threw the cigarette out, and he came back, and he said, everybody get down because here comes a tornado. Well, he grabbed us three kids and threw us on the floor and covered us with a trench coat, and it was between one of these old uh, meat refrigerator things with a glass front that you could look through and pick out what you wanted and the uh, store nowadays we'd call it a checkout counter but it was just the counter and he covered us my mother went up to see what it was because she was nosy and the tornado came through about that time and there was a plate glass window in the front that she was consumed by it just came down on top of her and back in those days uh, cigarette cases were beveled glass and hand done and it was nowadays it would be a, a work of art but then it was just a cigarette case and she was under that uh the tornado itself came in the blink of an eye there was no noise no sound and all we could see was sky uh everybody was milling around trying to find what was going on uh, we dug my mom out got her to the car we were digging other folks out uh they told me that there was one lady who died in that, but we didn't stay around to do anything else. My dad got us, and we all got in the car. Uh, we had just gotten seat covers, new seat covers on the old Chevrolet, and Dad said, lean back, honey. She said, no, I'll get blood on the seat covers. So she set forward. We went up the wrong way on Monroe Street where the old Mercy Hospital was. It's now the back of uh, Crawford Street United Methodist Church. And uh, we went up there and got her in, and uh, they took us upstairs. Uh, and I can remember looking out over the city of Vicksburg north, and it was like watching Gone with the Wind when Atlanta burned. There was fires everywhere, and uh, that's the memory in my mind. As the tornado left behind damage, everyone knew someone who had been affected. Marie Renaud was no different. My husband's father was trapped in the Mississippi Hardware Company, which was right down the street on the corner of Washington and South Street. And I think he was not rescued until about 8.30 or so that night. I don't recall ever being afraid of storms before the tornado. Changed drastically after that. Ollie Sykes and her boyfriend had planned a Saturday night out on the town. I was a student nurse at Lutheran Hospital School of Nursing. And the hospital is located on Monroe Street. The nursing home backs up from Cherry Street almost to Monroe. I was taking a shower, getting ready to go on a date with my boyfriend, and someone came in the back door of the nursing home and said, everyone report to the hospital immediately. The lights all went out. It was dark as it could be. And we all started running down the little alley. And then someone from the hospital screamed out, or from there, told us to go back and put our uniforms on. So we went back and dressed in uniform. And when we got to the hospital, Dr. 
Perks, W.K. Perks, was um, already triaging everyone that was injured. And he sent different students to different areas and gave them a responsibility. And I remember so clearly that we had six young people with acute polio, and they were in an iron lung. All the electricity was gone. By the time we got to the fourth floor where they were, men had come in to the emergency room and brought injured and everything, and there were people lined up to keep those kids alive. And we had coal oil lamps, we had a few candles, and they operated, Dr. Willard H. Parsons operated all night long. Dr. Moore fixed a lot of broken bones that night. And it was the most awesome thing for me to see as a very young student nurse how these gentlemen who were doctors could be so calm and, and do so much for those that were injured that was brought in. One of the children at the Sanger Theater was Stephanie Mitchell. Her 10th birthday was on December 5, 1953. Since her sister also had a birthday in the coming days, their parents invited the girls and their friends to see the movie Botany Bay. After dropping off the kids, her father George returned home while Lillian, her mother who was seven months pregnant, would stay at the theater. The Sanger was located directly in the Twister's path. As a tornado got closer, power went out, then a wall collapsed, causing the ceiling and screen to come crashing down. Five children, all under 10 years old, died inside the theater. The Mitchell family got out alive, and Lillian, she was taken to the maternity ward where just three days later, she gave birth to a baby girl. It is hard to imagine how those inside the theater wouldn't have known a damaging tornado was headed their way. Chris Entremont at the National Weather Service says the technology in 1953 was nowhere near what it is in the modern era. We live in the in the world now where we always have information right in front of us and everything is, so it's, it's kind of hard for us to gauge just 40, 50, 70 years ago how much different uh, communication was and, and, and just to people talk about, well, we didn't expect anything coming. So much different than we're used to now, but at that time, the weather forecasting and especially the forecasting of severe weather and tornadoes was, was at its infancy. Nowadays, people are very familiar with tornado watches and tornado warnings. Back then, tornado warnings didn't exist. Now, you had some bulletin that was essentially like a tornado watch. That's something we're more familiar with today. That's all they had. Radio was a major source for news and information that evening. Edmund Cummins was a senior at Carr Central High School and on the air at WQBC as an announcer. By 8 p.m., emergency power had been restored to their equipment, and they stayed on the air day and night for the next four days to keep people up to date. Buford Evans and his family were listening. Uh, there's a lot of places in Vicksburg that were destroyed. My uncle and aunt, my uncle worked for the Corps of Engineers, and he and my aunt, who was barely five feet tall, went and moved radios, portable radios, if you could call them portable then, because they probably weighed as much as she did, uh, to help. Everybody pulled together. I heard a lot of horror stories uh, of different things, different people around town uh, hurting. One of the uh, people who lived uh, down the road from when we first moved to Vicksburg had a pair of twins, and one of the twins was killed in the old Sanger Theater. And they tell me that exactly one year to the day, the other twin that survived woke up in a nightmare. Many, many horror stories through that. Uh, 
for the longest time after that, my dad would grab us. If the sky turned dark, he'd grab us, and we'd go to the basement of the post office, which was a safe, pretty safe place. And what that did for me was make me hate to run away and hide, you know. If you were to estimate the damage in today's economy, it would equate to about $200 million in losses. Chris Entremont at the National Weather Service says the tornado was classified as an F5, the worst. He retraced the tornado's beginning and end. You know, initially we have it starting, um, based on all the accounts, is it's just kind of southwest of the city of Pittsburgh on the other side of the river in a little community called Delta. Um, and that's really where the only population was. And if, if you can follow further back, you know, looking at the map into, in, and following the track that we do have, essentially this, this thing, it, it could have been on the ground and, and started much further back. It, it just, but it went through such a rural area. Who knows exactly, you know, how much of the track was missed. But essentially when it started impacting uh, people was right on the community of Delta in, in Louisiana, just west or southwest of, of Pittsburgh on the western side of the Mississippi River. So it crossed the Mississippi River and basically made a direct hit into downtown Pittsburgh and lifted, and it was kind of moving in a north-northeast uh, fashion and lifted right through downtown. It, it lifted before it, it crossed Highway 61. So it was really essentially kind of concentrated uh, right around the, the city there. Overall, the, the path, uh, based on the documentation, is, is seven miles long. And it was it was a pretty wide tornado, 500 yards. And back then, the majority of the buildings were well-built brick structures. And when and when you have a a really powerful tornado go through that, and and you can just look at some of the pictures we had we had found and have posted. Uh, I mean, it really caused significant damage to you know the heart of of a big town there. Um, so it, I mean, it took many years to to recover and, and you know and build those things back up. Um, and you know, it's a life-changing event. You know, anytime you lose one life, that's that's too many. And unfortunately, during that tornado, there were, you know, 38 fatalities. It being early December before the holidays, very impactful for that region. Agencies and organizations from across the region came to Vicksburg to help. Ollie Sykes says the response was enormous. When the National Guard uh, came in, there were about 200 of them. We had a about 60 assigned to our hospital. And they set up a field hospital outside by the emergency room. And while that morning, the next morning, all we had to serve our patients, and there were a lot of them laying on the floor, in the hallways, everywhere, was cold cereal. And that's what we serve, cold cereal with some milk until it all ran out. Assistance was also needed for those affected by another tornado nearby that would do F3 damage. The Beekman and Montrose tornado, that was an F3. Um, that one did impact uh, uh, some parishes and a county in our, our service area. Essentially, it's an area that's uh, just to the northwest of, uh, of Pittsburgh. And, and that one occurred a little bit before uh, the the Pittsburgh tornado, uh, the Beekman Montrose tornado. It looks like it started around five o'clock uh, in the afternoon when the Pittsburgh one started at 530. Uh, so and, and it, this is pretty typical with with big tornado uh, events that you you have multiple storms that produce big tornadoes and they can be very close in proximity and timing. And, and that seemed to be the case uh, you know that particular day. 
David Dabney was 11 years old on the day that Vicksburg took a direct hit from a tornado. He and his family wanted to do anything they could to help storm victims. Turns out Western Union didn't have enough workers to deliver telegrams. David said he plastered a Western Union sign on his bicycle and spent three days taking between 50 and 100 telegrams to those in the devastated areas. Ollie Sykes is thankful she chose the line of work she did because it allowed her to provide help during one of the most critical times of her life. I didn't see my husband or or my boyfriend for about four days because we were working 14-hour shifts, and so was he. And uh, he had so many stories to tell because he was down there digging those kids out for one thing. But um, I, I was so impressed with the profession that I had chosen and how well it worked. Those who witnessed the tornado say they'll never, ever forget it. One woman who nearly lost her life was forever changed, but grateful to be alive. And she was Buford Evans' mother. The doctor said that she was the worst hurt one in a tornado that survived. She was crushed, and in the period of the next 25 years, uh, she had 38 surgeries. Uh, and her face was distorted and but she didn't let that bother and didn't let her slow her down. And for those who were just children at the time, it feels like December 5th, 1953 was just yesterday. Eddie Guy Shears was nine years old that day. It was an experience that you can't describe. It's, uh, you see lumber going through the air, you see treetops going through the air, and I remember it got so dark it looked like night. We would like to thank the National Weather Service in Jackson, Mississippi, for providing us these personal accounts that were gathered in 2013 for the 60th anniversary of the Vicksburg tornado. Next on Tornado Talk, the greatest gift anyone can provide in time of tragedy is love and support. The story of one organization who turns the thrill of tornado chasing into aid and recovery for victims in their path. Plus, the 2015 Rowlett and Garland, Texas, late December twisters. Texas Tornadoes on episode 27 of Tornado Talk.